You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. We're in the month of Wisdom of the Elders. So today, we have Larry Yonker with us. Now, Larry is incredible. I was like reading, because I knew I had to introduce him for the last month. So I was like reading all of his bio stuff on the website. And I thought, what has this guy not done? I was like, maybe I would spend less time listing the things he hasn't done than listing the things that he has done. So he's worked with a ton of nonprofits. He's raised lots of money. And more importantly, he's an elder of this church. So he helps give us guidance and direction and things like that. So please give him all of your attention. And please help me welcome Larry Yonker this morning. Thanks. Thanks. I have done a lot. Uh, my wife right here, Kim, Kim is, uh, and I have been married 37 years in June, so uh, we've been married a long time. And uh, one of the things I, uh, when Joe asked me to do this, one, I was one of four, I'm, I'm the last of four, so you guys, uh, uh, I'm sure those that have been here for all of them, uh, Scott Palmer uh, kind of kicked the whole thing off, and Scott a, was a young man that came to me when he was in his 20s and asked me if I'd mentor him. And I said, what's that mean? And he said, well, I think I read this book and it says that, you're, that I'm supposed to buy you lunch or coffee and I'm supposed to bring an agenda and I'm supposed to ask you questions and you're supposed to answer them. And I said, okay, well, I can do that. Uh, you can tell I'm, I haven't missed too many meals, so I, uh, I'm, I'm always open for that. Anybody who wants to talk or wants to just meet, I'm, I'm happy to do that. One of the things that... Uh, um, you know, each stage of life brings all kinds of different thoughts and different things, and, and we have voices that speak to us in our mind all the time. We have a, a voice that's trying to condemn us and a voice that's trying to lift us up. And oftentimes we listen to the one that's trying to condemn us. And So I can honestly say it, uh, I turned 61 uh, this year, and uh, that just seems older than old to me. I mean, I, I, I'm most of my mind, uh, the way that... Your, your mind works as you age, as you probably never get beyond much where you're at right now. You, uh, at least I didn't. So emotionally and mentally and stuff, I've always been in my 20s, and so 60s seemed really old to me. And so part of that, part of that thinking is the, is the negative voice is trying to convince you that your purpose is done, that you're, that you've, uh, uh, you're old now, and, and you've raised your family, you've raised your kids. Then you, all of a sudden you have grandkids and new joy comes into your life and you start to see, hey, you know what, I can pump some life into these little precious lives. And that's kind of what my wife and I have been doing. My wife, uh, she gets three months off every year. She's a teacher, so she chose to teach and she teaches middle school art students. Um, I'm a native Coloradoan. Grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado and uh, grew up in a, in a uh, lower middle class family. Became a middle class family, but, but they were not believers. So I didn't meet Christ. My wife and I, didn't. we met Christ together. She was 24 and I was 28. Uh, we were at a Calvary Chapel music concert, and uh, music was always a big part of my life. And so uh, going to a Christian concert that we were invited to uh, happened to be a worship group that night instead of, the pray, instead of one of the more modern bands. And so they were mortified that they brought us to this concert. We weren't believers and listening to a lot of secular music at that time, and so they're just feeling the whole time like, oh my gosh, why'd we pick this night to bring them? Because they were worshiping and lifting their hands and singing to God. And my wife and I were both being really ministered to. And uh, we both went forward when they had the altar call and received Christ at the exact same time. Didn't, didn't influence one another in doing that. We both kind of were responding to God. Uh, I didn't know Christ, but Christ knew me. I, I think I always knew that he was there. I always heard the voice of God speaking to me and knocking on the door of my heart. So what I'm gonna th- I want to talk about purpose, because I think that uh, having lived 61 years, I definitely have done a lot of different things. Interestingly enough, he, he mentioned how, raising money. I want to I hit that, because that's kind of a funny one to me, really. Um, I've spent a lot of my time in fundraising for ministries, and... Uh, after I left the computer industry in sales and marketing, I got a degree in, in marketing later uh, in my late 20s and came to Christ, and, and I ended up raising money. Well, I grew up in a home with a very strong work ethic father and, 
and hardworking family, just a really hardworking family. One of the values my dad had was never ask anybody for anything. You just go, you, you plug in and you go, if you need something, you go get it. You go do it. You go make it happen. So never ask anybody for anything. And uh, so how do, how do you end up in fundraising when, when uh, you, uh, and I'm also kind of, kind of was, as a young man, was kind of a people pleaser. And so when you're asking somebody for something, it's very difficult for them to not pigeonhole you into some corner and saying, oh, that's the only reason this guy's coming here is because he wants money. Uh, so I found that another challenge in this profession that I chose. But one of the things I really, uh, part of the purpose that God had for me was to use the talents and gifts that he gave me, the personality and, and uh, some of the things that he gave me to be able to, to and I love people, so I'm able to go out and sit down with people and I attach myself to very, very meaningful causes, things that, that I really believe in, things that are important in life, things that are going to make a difference in life. And then I don't have to raise money. I just have to tell them stories about that, and, and they respond. But the scripture reference I want to start with, because uh, Ecclesiastes is an interesting book, because Solomon wrote it at the end of his life, and, and uh, right after he says, absolutely pointless, everything is pointless, meaningless, in, e- in Ecclesiastes, he goes on to say one other thing. Uh, it's in the very end of Ecclesiastes, verse 11. It says, words from wise people are like spurs. They collect sayings. Their collected sayings are like nails that have been driven in firmly. They come from one shepherd. Be warned, my children, against anything more than these. People never stop writing books, and too much studying will wear you out. After having heard all this, this is the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commands, because this applies to everyone. God will certainly judge everything that is done. This includes every secret thing, whether good or bad. So, words of the wise. I guess, I guess you get to be called a wise guy. That's what they call me in the men's ministry here, a wise guy, because I'm one of the old guys. And so, I think, that, I think wisdom does come with age. I think you do gain wisdom. And I think that if you, my, my, the challenge to you is to listen to words of wise men and wise women who can kind of coach you and, and monitor you through life. Because we've probably been through a lot of the things that you're going through uh, in our life. Um, I know that we came to Christ. My wife and I uh, came to Christ in 1979. We were in our, uh, Kim was mid-20s and I was 28. And uh, it was when we finally surrendered to Christ. Uh, we started coming to New Life Church. Uh, it'll be 23 years this, uh, this fall. So we've been here a long time, been through a lot. In fact, the founder of the mill, uh, my wife and her sister babysat for uh, when his little brother was being born. So Paul and, and Dennis Stern uh, were, were friends of ours at that time, and Aaron was probably about six uh, or so uh, during that time, and, uh, and uh, so we watched, they watched him while uh, his little brother was being born. So we've been around the church a long time. And I was, my wife and I was talking this morning, you know, and, it, and one of the sad things about in our life, honestly, has been people that aren't here anymore. They've kind of moved on. Or, and I think God's in some of that. I think God moves people on to, for different things. But I also think that, that one of the really cool things in, in our life has been staying here, being plugged in through all the things that have happened and watching God uh, in all the good and all the bad uh, that's gone on here at New Life Church. Because uh, God's been in all of it. I mean, he's, uh, you know, Scripture says that, that God causes all things to work together for good to those that, are, uh, that love him and are called according to his purpose. And his purpose is what I really want to talk about. Um, I think understanding God's purpose is, is probably the most important thing that you can do in your lives. It kind of levels things out because there's no way you're going to know that. I mean, you're going to seek it, and you're going to find it, but there's no way you can really know what his purpose is because there's a lot of confusing messages that come in your life that'll come throughout whatever you're doing. There'll be relationships broken. There'll be, there'll be death. There'll be all kinds of things that'll happen in your life that you, don't, you, you really try to find God's purpose in all that, and you'll never find that. David Works, one of the uh, friends of mine who, who's lost his two daughters here, uh, one of the most profound things he said to me uh, which 
which uh, is, he didn't find healing from that until he stopped asking why. As soon as he stopped asking why, uh, his two daughters were uh, shot that morning, healing came because he didn't have to answer that question, and he never would find the answer to that question. He just had to trust God, a God that he and his wife and, and family have loved and served, that God had a purpose in it, and God was going and, and maybe that purpose was still to be fulfilled, that there was a purpose in that. And so he, by stopping asking why, he was able to fall back to, this is, it's not ours to figure out. It's God's to figure out. God will give, give the purpose that, uh, in that. In fact, one of the most popular books, I've never read it, but I do own it. I own a lot of books, as my wife will tell you. I have a whole bookshelf full of books, because when you're in ministry, everybody gives you their book to read. And I've read probably about 2% of them. But this one's called The Purpose Driven Life. I see I, that, that scripture that says that everybody writes books and, and, the, and you, get, you, get tired, you get weary from studying. Well, that's, that's kind of my mantra. Uh, but one of the things that I've learned, uh, and this has got some great scriptures. This is a great book. I, I really believe The Purpose Driven Life is really about what this starts off with. It's really about seeking God and loving God and serving God. And that... If you do that your entire life, you will remain steady, which is, I know, what Scott talked about. Scott talked about being steady. And I think if you ask people around the church, if they said, if they said one thing about Larry Yonker, if you ask Brian Newberg or any of the guys who've been around, Lance Coles, it's just they'd say, you know, they've just been steady. Uh, we've had ups and downs and, and highs and lows and 37 years of marriage. You certainly have that. And we're two different people, uh, but we just... Our marriage has remained steady. You know, we just, it's just, it's a commitment for life. We remain steady. And Scott talked about that. But along the way, uh, there's been a lot of things, and, and as we're seeking, as I was seeking God's purpose for my life, I did a lot of things. I tried a lot of things. I, I, I thought at one time when I first felt like God had spoken to me about being a deacon. Uh, I didn't know what a deacon was because I didn't grow up in a church. Uh, well, I'm sure they did. I'm sure the church actually, because I attended church with my family, but we didn't really know Christ. Uh, so I'm sure it had deacons, but I didn't know what they were. When I studied the word deacon in, in the scripture, when I first looked at it, it was someone who waited tables, someone who served others, someone who came alongside other leaders and helped them and did those kinds of things. So I've always seen that as my calling. Uh, my calling in life is that to, is to serve, is to be a, a deacon to the body of Christ. And so my role as an elder here, my role... Uh, in serving other ministries. I currently work, uh, in addition to the consulting business I have at Springs Rescue Mission, uh, I've always had a passion for the poor, and so I decided at 60 that I was going to go down there and try to help them serve the community and serve the poor in our community. And so that's, a, that's a, where I'm placed, but it's still fulfilling a call that I believe God's placed in my life. But the purpose of God cha- has, has changed for me. I've, as I've, and some of it's is I've relinquished. But the one purpose thing that's never changed is I've never changed in my love for him. Uh, whether I'm experiencing joy or, or sadness, uh, my, my hunger for him has never changed. I've, I've, uh, I've been desperate for God my whole life. Uh, the whole li- even before I knew him, I would, I've been desperate for him. And so I find great steadiness in that. And just knowing that, you know what, I need you, God. I need you every minute of my life. Um, there's a couple quotes in here. That one, that these are, are par- well, one is from the Proverbs 11.20. It says, a life, devoted to dead, a life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a, first, is a flourishing tree. And then Jeremiah 17.7 7 says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they go right on producing delicious fruit. So those scriptures are really what I want to encourage you with this morning. I want to encourage you with, with the words of God's real purpose for your life is to know him and to serve him and to love him with your life. I really think, and I, and... Uh, most of you are younger than, than we were when we received Christ. Some of you are probably in your mid-20s, but a lot of you are younger than that. And I'm, 
um, excited for you. I'm excited for the journey that God's got ahead, ahead of you. Uh, but whether you came from a Christian home or still searching for Christ uh, to find that real, real meaning, because I think that when you really know God, when you really have made a decision to let Christ be the Lord of your life, I think that's when that hunger and that, and that love comes out. I really do believe that. I believe that that was uh, that submission, the, the final submission of saying, God, I can't, I can't do this. I need Christ. I need Christ in my life. I need him to be my anchor. I need the Holy Spirit inside of me. I need help. I need to have someone who's going to walk through life with me. And he said he'd do that. He promised he'd do that. And so once I submitted to that, then loving God was, was really the, the steady factor. It was the factor that said, you know what, in good times and bad, uh, sure, I get sad and I get, sad, I get happy and uh, there's a lot of different things in life that, that cause you to go up and down but the steady factor never left I never changed in my feeling toward God I never blamed God, blamed God for anything um, I don't know why I, just never, I don't know if I never had a theology that did that but I just never blamed God I always felt like, you know if there was bad things happening in my life there was a reason for it uh, sometimes it was things that I did that I'd caused, I'd, ca- I'd done some, made some decisions that caused pain. Uh, but I never blamed God. And I, I wonder sometimes when I see Christians going on this real roller coaster of life. In fact, uh, I would say some get really zealous, and you see the real zealots. I've seen zealots that have been way more vo- vocal about their faith and way more expressive about their faith and way more spirit-filled in their lives, it seemed like to me. Uh, that are not here now. They're, they've, they've kind of rushed in and faded back. And rushed in and faded back. And um, I've just tried to walk in, through life without maybe so much, so much of that. I've tried to stay steady in, in, uh, in my pursuit of him. And, and I've never seen myself... I'm, this is kind of foreign turf for me. I'm not, I'm not a teacher. Uh, Teacher kind of requires line upon line, you know, precept upon precept, which implies linear thinking. And I don't think I've ever had a linear thought in my life. I, uh, my, my brain is completely random. Um, I, I probably, if I'd have been diagnosed today as a young man, I'd have probably been diagnosed with learning difficulties uh, because I do have a very random uh, way of, of life and, and seeing life. But they didn't do that back when I was a little kid, which I'm kind of grateful for, honestly. I'm kind of glad they didn't label me uh, as some kind of a... I frustrated a lot of teachers, but they didn't label me as ADHD or whatever they call those things. I just was a kid that was kind of random. And, uh, and I see a lot of random people out there, and it kind of encourages me. It says, there's still, there's still random people out there that are making it through life and, and not getting pigeonholed into, into some... Uh, thing that says they're not going to be able to do anything in their life. I couldn't have ever been a doctor. I couldn't have ever been... There's a lot of things I couldn't have been because of that randomness. Uh, but there was... God found things that I could do. God found things that I could, I could, I could thrive at and I could be... and I could achieve. Um, although achievement's another trap. That was another scripture here that I was going to read to you because uh, I think that's a trap too. I think that I've, been, I've, I've lived in that trap many, many times, is that I end up judging my life based on what I'm accomplishing. How many of you have ever tried to view your life that way? Am I, am I accomplishing something in life? And if you don't, then, then you must be a failure, right? Is you're not accomplishing something. But uh, Oswald Chambers, this is a great... I'm, I don't know how many of you have ever read his stuff. He's a pretty heady guy. Uh, but he's really, really says some deep stuff. And one of the things that it reiterates what I've just been trying to share to you, but also gets into the whole achievement thing. It says, Jesus Christ is saying here, don't rejoice in your successful service for me, but rejoice because your right relationship with me. The trap you may fall into as Christians and Christian work is to rejoice in successful service. Rejoicing in the fact that, that God has used you. You know, there's a... God, boy, that's something to rejoice about, right? God used me. Yet you will never be able to measure up fully to what God will do through you if you do not have the right standing relationship 
with him. Then regardless of your circumstances or whoever you encounter each day, he will continue to pour rivers of living water through you. And it is actually by his mercy that he does not let you know it. Once you have the right relationship with God through salvation and sanctification, remember that whatever your circumstances may be, you have been placed in them by God. And God uses the reaction of your life to your circumstances to fulfill his purpose. As long as you continue to walk in the light, as he is in the light, then you'll be walking in his purpose. Tendency today is to put the emphasis on service. Beware of people who make their, their request for help on the basis of someone's usefulness. If you make usefulness the test, then Jesus Christ was the greatest failure who ever lived. For the saint, for the saint direction and guidance from God himself, not some measure of the saint's usefulness. It is the work that God does through us that counts, not what, he do, what we do for him. All that the Lord gives his attention to in a person's life is that person's relationship with him. Something of great value to his father, Jesus is bringing many sons to glory. So again, consistent uh, with, what I, with what I felt like God was sharing with me. When Joe first contacted me about doing this, um, I was challenged a little bit and thought, you know... Um, what do I share? What do I share with, uh, with this generation? But uh, I just felt like, you know, as I just prayed and thought about it and thought about my life today and thought about my life and journey and, and the, 30, the 37 years of marriage and the 33 years at New Life Church and what's been the constant there. And the constant really has been that in all of it, I was able to feel and, and see God's purpose. Uh, God's purpose was was there uh, in the good and in the bad, and and uh, uh, that was an important part. So I th- I felt like I, as I read things and looked at different things, I was thinking, you know, what what, how does that play out in each of our lives? How does God's purpose play out in our in our lives? I was told by Joe in in this uh, the format of this because I understand the length of time and and not being a teacher. Um, one of the things that being random uh, has, one of the gifts, honestly, and I mean this seriously, one of the gifts that, that uh, I've felt in my life uh, and an area where God has used me it, through that randomness is kind of in a Q&A kind of format. So uh, because my brain works randomly uh, and I'm not in any linear thought pattern, almost any question from around any subject I can usually speak to and and uh, I just think that's a gift that, that, that God's used uh, in, my, uh, in his purpose in my life. So I did want to leave some time uh, to just be random and, and answer questions that you have. I want you, I want you and, and I know this is a setting, so, so if there's some question you don't want to ask in public, uh, feel free to, to, to ask me in, in private, but... Um, Let's, let's kind of open this up this morning and, and make this a dialogue a little bit if we can and, and see if there's any wisdom that God can speak specifically into your life um, through mine. Um, anybody got anything that pops to their head? I've been around some, I know some of you guys from around, I've seen you quite a, uh, around a little bit and, and uh, at the, either through the, I recognize some of you guys from the men's ministry, guys morning out and, and uh, I know some of you probably, I've, if you've been here a while, your family's been here a while, I probably know your parents. But is there anything that comes to your head? Question you have? Yeah. What's that? Contentment. You know, contentment is... Uh, I think it depends on what you mean by content. I think that if, if it's at peace with God, then that's contentment. I think if it's if it's satisfaction with where you're at, sometimes that's contentment, sometimes it's not. I think sometimes um, it's quitting. I think that some people quit, uh, and they do it. Sometimes they need to retreat. Sometimes they quit because they need to retreat for a while. But I think if you stay in retreat, then I don't think that's contentment. I don't think, you have, I don't think it ever brings contentment. 
I think it's just simply retreating for a while to get your head back on so you can pursue God again. So I think real contentment is, is uh, being at peace with God, uh, regardless of whether it's good or bad. or uh, you're, just, you're just trusting Him. And so trusting Him is probably the deepest contentment you can feel. Because you may not feel peace, but you can be content. You can know that, that, that God's purpose is at, is at work. And, and uh, I don't know, I just think that uh, there's been a lot of times in my life that, that God used not being content also. You know what I'm saying? In other words, I wasn't, I was at peace with him, but I wasn't at peace with my, where my life was. You know what I'm saying? I was just kind of, I was not, and so I think that God used some of that, not being at peace with my life, to, to cause me to pursue him and cause me to pursue his will. And, and uh, uh, but the, the genuine contentment, the one that's, that, that keeps you from destruction, I think is just trusting God. And, uh, yeah. Shortfalls, or it's ever caused you um, discomfort or stress? Every day, it does. I'm a procrastinator, uh, so it causes me pain every single day. Uh, it's, uh, it, uh, yeah, my randomness definitely causes me, and, and I've had to learn to live with that. Honestly, I've really had to learn to live with, how do I survive in that, in that world? Because there's things that I just don't prepare for, I don't do very well, because I'm, I'm just... I can't get my brain into this linear path, you know, and studying is one thing. I, I can force myself into that world because I did. I, I had, uh, uh, when I went to college, uh, my first time around, I just played football. I didn't do anything but that. So I accumulated a lot of hours of 1.7 grade point average. Uh, so I had a whole bunch of hours. I had 110 hours or something like that of 1.7 grade point average. And my wife encouraged me and convinced me that I needed to go back to college and get a degree. I was working some jobs that I wasn't, I didn't know Christ, but I was working some jobs and I didn't, certainly wasn't content, uh, but I was pursuing, uh, I was just, my purpose at that time was providing for her and providing for my family. And so sometimes the, that's the purpose too. Sometimes there's been a lot of purposes in my life where I just laid myself down and said, I'm going to do this because my purpose is to provide for my kids and my purpose is to provide for my wife. And so Sometimes God's purpose for me was not to fulfill what I wanted to do, but what, what God wanted to do. But, but uh, yeah, it, it, but there's pain in, in being random. And I, and I, but I, again, I think you have, I've learned to live with that and, and not put myself in positions where that was going to hurt something else uh, or stop something. And so would I, would I go back and... I don't see any purpose for me, I never, I, and I never did, to go back and get a master's degree or a doctorate degree or, because that didn't seem like the path that was going to fulfill my purpose. And it forced me into a left-brain kind of world that I don't live in. Uh, I don't live in that left-brain world very often. Even though I've always been in, in uh, business, I've always migrated towards more random things like sales. Sales and people and PR and consulting and those kinds of things where I can just be random. Oh, school. Yeah. A, a random thought about school. I didn't finish it. I, uh, I, I, uh, Kim encouraged me to go back to college, and so I got really serious about it, got real linear, and worked really hard to get back through school. And so I, I ended up getting a business degree in marketing uh, because, again, I saw a path to where I wanted to go. When I first started in college, my first time, I majored in PE, recreation. This was in sequence. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Physical education, recreation, philosophy, sociology, psychology. I think there's a path there. <laughs> I was a jock. I realized I didn't want to do that. So I thought I'd get into recreation. I didn't really like that. Uh, so I began this journey of figuring out who I was, and so I majored in philosophy. And philosophy seemed really deep and... And uh, you read Siddhartha and some of those books, believe me, it, it, uh, it, it'll, take, it'll bring you to Christ faster than anything, it, it, it studying some of that stuff, because it is so out there. Uh, uh, and so 
from philosophy, I went to sociology because I knew inside of me there was always this hunger and passion to help the poor and, and to serve the poor. And so sociology seemed like it until I remember this voice in my head was, as I was taking these classes and talking about incarnate service and having to live among the poor and do those kinds of things. And I thought, man, I like, I like nice things too much to do. I don't know if I can do that. So I got out of that and I said, man, I am screwed up. I'm going to take some psychology classes. I've got to figure out what's wrong with me. So I took psychology, and after that one, I just gave up and quit. Quit school and said, you know, this is, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, so that was the end of that until I came back and got my business degree and got very linear for a while and, and uh, ended up graduating with an accumulative grade point average of about 2.8 and, uh, and a major uh, GPA of about 3.8. So it was in there. I didn't, I didn't realize it, but there was something in there that allowed me to get linear long enough to get some good grades. And I think that, was again, was the focus came from just a purpose. I had to get this degree because I didn't want to keep doing the kind of jobs I was doing. So the purpose became more important than the pain of getting through it. Any other questions? Yeah. Uh, I just want to know um, uh, your view on concealed weapons license and our right to bear arms. That's it. You know, interesting. I, I live in a. I married into a family of, of hunters. Okay, I didn't grow up in a in a hunting home. I did, we didn't have guns in our house, and and um, so it's a tough one for me. I think it's important. I think that that maybe I'll say this, and and I'm I'm not quite as uh, as strong on that as as Kim's brothers and stuff are. They're big hunters, and 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 her her brother-in-law, which I'm sure, her, my brother-in-law, her brother is is radical uh, on the Second Amendment. Um, I'm, I think there's a purpose for that law. I think that the right to bear arms had a purpose, okay? It was, it was uh, against the, the, uh, the kind of the power of a government. Is that the way, but, but, but is that the way we still deal with that problem? We're experiencing the exact same problem right now. We've got an oppressive government. We've got a government that's trying to push more and more and more on us. And so, but I don't think bearing arms is necessarily the way we're going to deal with that, you know. And, and back then it was. Uh, I mean, the, 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 their ability to, to bear arms kept these governments and other things from from taking from coming in and taking over because they knew that this this these people could rise up and defend themselves. And so, defending their land, defending themselves, and and. When I read scripture about some of that kind of stuff, I'm thinking, okay, so I've got a land, I'm, I'm going to protect my family, I'm going to protect my land, and I'm thinking, to what end? Okay, if, if I've got food and someone comes to my home who's starving, am I going to shoot them? I can't go there, because this isn't my home. And so my biggest debate with some of those is, okay, to what end are, are we going to let the, this thing go? Because to me, is, this isn't our home. If you're really a believer, this is just a temporal place. And so if someone kills me for my stuff, I'm home. I mean, so again, I kind of try to balance all that with my relationship with God and, what, and, and, and how I view him. And, and so some of these kind of things, I don't get really all that wrapped up in, in a lot of that stuff. The Second Amendment's not the most important thing for me in the election right now. It's, uh, as a businessman, it's really more about regulations and oppressive uh, uh, health care things that are that are really uh, those things that are affecting how you if you can stay in business or not stay in business and some of those kinds of things I think that I think that as I looked at uh, your generation is the one that got Obama elected and is probably going to be the one that get, if he gets reelected again is going to your generation is going to be the one that probably does that okay and I sat down with my niece and nephew when we were in, in Tennessee and and, and they're they're coming back to their faith. Amber was, was raised in, in faith. And <clears throat> so I just asked him, I said, what, what is it about Obama that really attracts you? What it, boy, uh, they couldn't really nail one thing down. It was his whimsicalness, his charisma, his, he's, he's easy to like. Uh, but it, there may have been one issue, because at different stages of their life, it may have been the, 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 his acceptance of of homosexuality or, or the gay life was, uh, was one thing that was attractive. They said, you know, we just need to be more tolerant of that, that kind of stuff. So that was kind of important to them. But is that the real issue? Is that, is that, the, is that the one thing that's going to cause you to overlook the other stuff that's, that's happening? Because to me, there's, 
they gloss over all the other things that are happening to us that are keeping you from getting jobs. That are, that are, and that's a bigger deal to me. A bigger deal to me is if, is if we can get all you guys employed, you'll pay taxes and we'll be okay. If you don't get employed, there isn't going to be any tax base. And so then I'm thinking, okay, if, you, if you're not working and you're not making a living and you can't make a livable wage, we've got a problem. Because, uh, and I'm, I work at a place where there's a lot of people that can't make a livable wage. They're working, but we give free food and free clothing and free household items to people your age because they're making eight, nine, ten dollars an hour. They're working as hard as they can. They just can't make it. They just not. They can't pay rent and and drive a car and and and, and make it on that kind of thing. So those are the things that really concern me. That those are the problems that I want to focus on rather than. And uh, that's a long answer for about about guns, but but. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't get really hung up with the Second Amendment too much. <laughs> Any other thoughts? I will say this about issues like that, though. I do think that on both sides, I think that people polarizing themselves around one issue is, uh, shuts the do- door to dialogue and debate. And I think that that's, that's, I long for that. I do, I do think that, um, I remember as a young, young child, this is an interesting, uh, uh, I thought about this uh, not too long ago, but I was thinking about when I was a little kid. And the rhetoric or the political stuff that was going on then was anti-communism. Uh, it was, boy, the Russians are aggressive, 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 they're coming after us. And so there was people building bomb shelters and they were planning on all kinds of the end of, the, of this world as we knew it and the Russians were going to come and, and they're going to take us over and Gorbachev pounding his foot on the thing and all this stuff was a little kid I'm kind of I grew up in, a, in Fort Collins Colorado and so there was the Russian thing was a big deal to me and then the, the TV stuff about all the black and white stuff was, a, was foreign to me too it was like wow these people are really angry at each other and there's black people and white people and, and they're really uh Upset, and so as a, as a young person, not understanding what all the reasons were for all those things, I can remember as a, thinking to myself, "I hope in my lifetime I could go to Russia and sit down with a Russian kid my age or a person my age, and just talk to them and see how different they really are than I am." I, profound thought for a little kid, but I, I was thinking, "There's got to be some for me to grow up hating a person because they're Russian." Just seemed foreign to me. It just seemed. It seemed like, that, that doesn't seem right. And, and, and the same thing with race. I didn't grow up uh, hating race. Uh, th- th- there was nothing in that. I didn't learn anything that had caused me to. Why would I hate a person because of the color of their skin? They didn't have any more choice in that than I do. Uh, so why would, I, why would I form any opinion about them based on, on that, on uh, something so random? I mean, uh, to me, it's, uh, it, it's, we're born in randomly into families and and so from that standpoint, I think that's been a thing that's been a rock for me, is I just, I just I don't try to live in, the, in those worlds where, and I wish we did have better dialogue. I wish we had a lot better dialogue with, uh, with, between Democrats and Republicans. And I think, there's, I think there's good people that are really trying to solve a problem for the poor by increasing government. I just don't happen to believe that there's a, that works. Uh, there's, there's never going to be enough taxpayers to, to build that government to take care of those people. And so I happen to believe the church should take that responsibility. In Acts 6, uh, if the church was being the church, we wouldn't have that many poor. We really wouldn't. We're big enough. If the church would rise up and take care of the poor, uh, man, we, it'd, be, it'd be solved. I, I believe that was one of my purposes in going to the rescue mission, is to, be, is to bring that message to the church and say, come on, guys, let's, let's all do a little bit. But let's be neighbors helping neighbors. Let's just, let's be the church. Let's walk out our life. Let's do something for someone else. Let's be, show kindness. Let's, let's demonstrate Christ to, uh, to these people. Even when they're making stupid decisions. Even when they're taking advantage of you. Because they do. We get taken advantage of every day by people. I don't judge that. I'm just saying, you know what? I'm, I'm called to be there and help them and to, uh, and to serve, and, and if I can be an influence on their life, then, then praise God, that's, that's a good thing. 
Boy, good question. I, really good question. I worked for Compassion International for 10 years as, a, as their uh, uh, VP development. And, and uh, well, I got a chance to, my wife and I got a chance to go to Africa. I got a chance to travel to third world countries. And, and uh, uh, one, one moving experience, I had this happen more than one time, but one moving experience my wife talks about is we were in the Maasai Mara and, and the Maasai tribe had fixed a meal for us. And, and they had worked and, and killed the goats and prepared the meal and, and then sat and watched us eat this meal. Uh, there was a, a group of sponsors and some people that were with us. And, you know, it, it was okay. I mean, the food was not, not over great, but they, they, they'd warned us to not insult them and to go ahead and eat. So we, I probably ate more than I would have liked uh, to have eaten just because I didn't want to be insulting to them. But then when we finished the meal, they all got up and ate it. So that was their meal, was what we left. And the, the humbleness, the feeling of humbleness in that. I think that what this one scripture, that, uh, to me, that I would say is the issue. A life devoted to things is a dead life. I think we live a dead, I think Americans live a dead life, uh, largely because we live a life for things. Um, I was saying... I just think that the standard, I look at my kids and the size of house that they have, feel like they have to live in, and, the, and the, things that, the things they're working to achieve and accomplish. I was thinking this too, uh, uh, at my age, uh, I'm supposed to be thinking of retirement, right? And, and what am I going to do? And so that re- thinking of retirement and not doing anything means I have to have a lot of money, right? So otherwise I can't retire. And so... Uh, I just think a lot of that thinking is bad thinking. I don't, th- I don't think that we're, we're made to retire. I don't think God spoke to us to retire. I think our pur- his purpose for us ends when we die, not, not when we retire. And that ends for different people. Uh, his purpose for you might end when you're 17, or it might end for you when you're 90. But that's really the only, thing, only, only barrier for that is God's purpose for you is, a, is, is his deal. And so I see a lot more joy. I see a lot more miracles. I see a lot more things happening. I saw a lot more in third world. I saw a lot of pain. I saw a lot of oppression. I saw a lot of fruit from, uh, from evil dictor- dictators. And, and so I don't even fear if Obama was a dictator and took over our country. I don't fear that because it may affect how many things we can have, but it shouldn't affect our relationship with God. It shouldn't affect how much we love him and serve him. And In fact, I think some of the times, the reason why the uh, answer to your question is, I think in Ethiopia, the fastest growth of the church was when it was oppressed. The, 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 there's more Christians in China than there are uh, in any other part of the world because it's oppressed. And so there's no physical benefit from being a Christian. I think that there's a theology that's swept through this, this country that if you just believe in God, then he's going he's gonna to give you all the good things you want. He's going to give you everything you want in life. Well, I, I don't think it has anything to do with whether you love or serve God. I think, I think he gives to some and he doesn't give to others because that's just not his purpose for them. Uh, I thought his purpose for me was to have some of those things, and yet I understand really the, the pride and the selfishness that was really inside that was causing that thought wasn't God. It was, uh, uh, and he's blessed us. I mean, he really has blessed us. But, but, uh, but I, I think that part of that is just that the pursuit of, of things. I think if we, the more we pursue things, the more disappointment comes. The more we, we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, all those things that God tells us not to do happen because we're pursuing things instead of pursuing God. And I think that that's. Uh, I think if we pursued God we'd see a lot more miracles, we'd see a lot more healings, we'd see a lot more uh, of those things happening. One of, the, one of the joys of being an elder is I get to pray for this. The, the Bible says that they're supposed to come to us and have us pray for them. Well, I don't, feel, I don't have any miracle power in me, but you know what? If I'm filling a position in the body of Christ and someone comes out of obedience to the Word of God, there's a good chance that God's going to heal them. I mean, it's His... Uh, it's his deal, and uh, I'm going to obey him every time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay hands on every person I can because uh, that's just part of the, my purpose right now is, is to do that. And so I think that if people just lived 
pursuing God as a purpose uh, and his purpose for their life, then I think that we'd see a lot more of that and not worry so much about the things that we, uh, that we have or don't have. Because uh, those bring a lot of jo- false joy and false pain, really. Yeah. My top three heroes. Uh, one of them I got a chance to see this week, a little, uh, little man by the name of John Bass. He's 87 years old. Uh, he's been on a journey through life where he's always served ministries, okay? In fact, he was one of the guys when he was a young kid, probably your age, uh, that God placed him with a man named Everett Swanson to start Compassion International. He was just a young kid, accountant, got fresh out of college with an accounting degree. And so John Bass just, to me, has lived a life of service. He's just, uh, he loved his wife Betty. Betty's gone home to be with the Lord. That's been the greatest pain in his life, was to lose his, uh, his wife Betty. Um, and I've watched that. I saw this rock-solid relationship he had with her and the love he felt for her and, and the love he had for people. Another one happens to be 87 years old, my dad. My dad is uh, 87 years old also, and he's a hero to me. He's uh, uh, always at some level, I, I, you always look up to your dad, and I, and I love my dad, and my dad was always there. I, I, I was fortunate enough, really fortunate, to be in a, a family where my parents stuck together, uh, you know, their whole, until my mom, Betty, uh, passed away uh, at too young of an age. And, but my dad... Uh, I watched my dad, and I'll tell you one thing, guys, because uh, my mom died a very ugly death of colon cancer, but she did it at home. And because she did it at home, she, that meant that someone had to be her caregiver. Well, I watched my dad change my mom's diapers. I didn't watch her, him do it, but I'm, I, I, he changed her diapers uh, all through the last several months of her, of her life. And that devotion, I'm telling you, that devotion nailed me. I mean, it was like, man, what a, what a love. What a way for a young man to see his dad uh, behaving. And so my dad was a strong guy, pretty silent, kind of quiet, wasn't very nurturing. I don't think my dad ever hugged me back until, I was probably, until he became a believer, really. Uh, my dad became a follower of Christ later on in life, and he actually, I've actually felt him hug me back. He used to kind of let me hug him when I was a young believer because I'm a huggy kind of guy. And, uh, and he'd always kind of just, oh, I love you too, son. Uh, but it was, it was never really. And now I, he's actually embraced me and, and, I, and I've seen Christ work in his life since he became a follower of Christ too. That's another joy of our life was, was, uh, uh, was watching our families come to Christ. The third guy I would say is Kim's dad. Uh, he was a really good friend of mine. He became a really good friend of mine. And Kenny was, a, uh, I was the first in the family. I was, a, I was a married to his eldest daughter. And, uh, and boy, I tell you, he must have, I was a goof, man. He, I'm sure he thought I was, what did my daughter do? But, you know, he loved me. He just loved me. And I had long hair and a beard and uh, didn't have a job. The day I asked, when I asked her to marry him, I didn't have any job. I was kind of uh, this long-haired and big beard, kind of a mountain man uh, kind of a, a guy. Uh, and he gave her hand to me in marriage and loved me and became a friend to me. And we walked through life together. We kind of helped raise her sisters and, and family. And, and uh, so the, all three of those guys would all be about 87 years old right now. Um, and so... I think there's a purpose in you seeking out someone at that stage of life or looking at people at that stage of life and, and grabbing on to what's, what's good in their life, uh, whether it's your dad or not your dad. or Find, find guys that are, that are at that stage of life that you can just look for, look for wisdom uh, with, the, with the scripture I started off in, in uh, Ecclesiastes uh, talking about. I think there's those three guys to me jump out as far as on this earth, uh, my, my heroes and for different reasons, but, but largely for one common reason, is they've just been servants. They've, they've served their family, they've served their wives, they stayed married, they, they, uh, they lived solid, stable lives, and selfless lives in many ways. I think that each of the 
incidences I gave to you were examples of selflessness. When you, just, when you don't think about what, you're, what, what, what pain that's causing you, you realize you're doing it for someone else. And I think, it, I think that's an important value. Couple, maybe one more. Question. What kind of legacy do I hope to leave? Boy, I think about that a lot. I've thought about it a lot. Uh, I don't know. I think that on earth, I'd like for people to say he was a good man. Boy, Larry was a good man. You know, he, he kind of a goofball sometimes, but he was a good man and, and served people and cared for people. I think that for Jesus, my legacy there, I hope that he can say, you know, you stayed true to me. Good job. You didn't always walk and do the things I would have liked you to do, but neither did Paul. Paul said, the things that I hate are the things that I do, and the things that I know I should do are the things I don't do. That's kind of my life. I kind of uh, go through life knowing the things that I should do, I I don't do, and the things that I... But I never change in my love for him, ever. And I never feel him leave me, ever. And so legacy to me is, if I can demonstrate that for my family, my my kids, and, and they've been... You know, my son especially has been on a journey of this, but I think if I can be a rock for him, if I can be uh, someone that he sees stay, steady, because he has reacted to a lot of stuff that's happened here, and, and, and he sees hypo- hypocrisy, and he's probably seen hypocrisy in me. But you know what? There's, there's just, I'm not the one at the standard he should be looking at. Jesus is the standard he should be looking at, and that's the only one that's going to keep him from, from seeing any hypocrisy, because there is none in, there's none in God. So thanks. I, I gotta wrap up, but uh, we gotta pick up our grandbabies. We're watching them uh, right now. Our daughters and, and with her uh, husband in California. So let me pray for all of you. And, and again, if you've got anything, uh, uh, I'll be here probably another thirty years, or uh, Lord willing. However, I'll be one of those little old guys, maybe. If God, God willing, I hope I am. But uh, let me pray for you guys, and, and uh, thanks for listening. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for these lives. I thank you for the journey that they've got ahead of them, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that anything that's been shared today, that they'll really feel a desire and a hunger to know you and to serve you with their lives. That, Father, whatever the path is for them, whatever journey you've got them on, that, Father, they'll know that it's your purpose is the only thing that matters. Uh, yeah, they've all got callings on their life. They've all got gifts and talents that you've given them. And Father, I pray that you'll use them, and they'll, that they'll use them for you. That they'll use uh, all of the talents that have been, they've been given. And uh, Father, you'll bring people that are wise into their lives to speak to them at different times. I pray that, uh, that this journey that they have ahead of them uh, will be full of wonder and full of your... Uh, your wonderful life. So, Father, thanks for this time, and I just we just give this day to you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.